0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to our episode uh, 12 of uh, Get In The Mode podcast. Uh, Our guest today is Nicholas Hutchison. Uh, Nick is the co-founder of uh, BookThinkers, a company that is committed to helping audience discover personal development books in a more intimate way by connecting them with authors. He's got a five-star rated podcast with the same name, BookThinkers. You guys should go check it out. Nick, it's a pleasure to have you on the show.
1: Yeah, thank you very much.
0: I'm excited for our conversation today. Great, likewise. And so Nick, tell us a little
1: bit about your background and why you, uh, why you guys started Book Thinkers. Sure. So I'm 27 years old. I live in the Boston, Massachusetts area. I'm a little bit of a nomad, so you can probably catch me somewhere internationally reading on top of a mountaintop or something like that or in a cafe in a foreign country. But uh, we started Thinkers because I personally went through a very radical transformation in my late teens and early 20s. At that time, I was pretty unfulfilled, I think, going with the flow and operating from a place of ego and insecurity. Didn't really know what I wanted to do after college. And one of my early sales mentors recommended a couple books to me. He said, hey, listen, Nick, you can condense decades of information into days and then apply that information into your life. It's accelerated learning, and I think you'd be good at it. And so I read a couple of these personal development books, and it changed my entire life everything got better. And I now operate from a place of happiness and fulfillment and impact and focus. And so I'm a happy camper now. And that's really how Thinkers started. It was just, I had this transformation. I said, I need to share it with other people.
0: Absolutely. You want others to experience that. Um, yes. I think obvious question, what are,
1: what are those two books that uh, changed your life? The first book that I read was Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And at the time, I was struggling with a lot of insecurity around money. I didn't really understand it. I was a business student at school, but I still didn't really understand it. And so one of the core lessons in that book is that money as a subject and financial literacy as a genre is not taught in school. It's only taught in home. And so if you grow up in a poor or middle-class family, you're going to learn poor or middle-class money habits by observing what your parents or guardians are doing. But if you grow up in a rich family, ah, that's why the rich tend to stay rich because you will learn good money habits. And so you could look at somebody like Robert Kiyosaki and say, he's rich and he's putting all this information in a book and it only costs $15 and it only takes two or three hours of my time. That's a good ROI. And so it helped to alleviate a lot of the early insecurities I had around money. And what's funny about a subject like that is that even after one book, you know more than most people do. You know more than the average person does about that subject already. And so the second book that I read was The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Of course, and then classic. kind of right after that, I read three or four more books about money because I was so fulfilled by it. And uh, yeah, so those were the right books up. that kind Spot of turned on. things for yeah. me. Yeah,
0: these are timeless books, right? Some books just kind of, I mean, they get reprinted, translated in different languages, stand the test of time. Um, so yeah. great recommendations for folks that are listening. Now, since you founded uh, BT or BookThinkers, um, have you had to pivot
1: Yes. So BookThinkers has pivoted quite a few times. And I think that's a story of entrepreneurship that uh, is pretty common. And, you know, we had big ambitions for the business. We originally wanted to be a technology company. And so when we founded the business, we outsourced the development of a mobile application to a company in Argentina. We were a couple of college kids who didn't have much project management experience and none of us were technical, but we thought, Hey, let's try this anyway. And so unfortunately that didn't work out. And then we pivoted more towards working with publishers and authors to help them promote their books to our community. We took a second stab at creating this mobile application and it didn't work again. We didn't find product market fit and, uh, you know, We've since learned what that means. One of my biggest lessons from both of those failures is that you shouldn't outsource your core competency. Yep. And so we didn't have any technical people on the team. It's tough to be a technical company. And uh, now BookThinkers is doing really well. We're growing on all of our social media. And I think our core focus today is to help connect authors with readers. And we do that in a few different ways. We do it on our podcast. We do it through social media. We do it through helping them brand and through consultation and things like that. But uh, yeah, we've had to pivot a couple of times now. Definitely. So I
0: definitely want to talk a little bit of the podcast and the social media, which is which is what our audience, I think, would eat that up. Uh, now, uh, let's talk about the podcast first. You know, um, sure. BookThinkers, amazing podcast. You've got some fascinating authors on the show that you've interviewed. Um, share some special stories. Who are some popular folks that you've interviewed? Um, I'd love to hear some interesting notes from there.
1: Sure. So the podcast originally started because we found we had such unique access to these high-performing people. Some of them hundreds of millions or billionaires, and the average reader looks up to these people. Maybe they're selling 10 million plus books, but they can't get in touch with them. And so we just thought, hey, let's connect the two audiences, give people the opportunity to ask questions to us that we can relay to them. It'll be a fun experience for everybody. And so we've had a lot of really cool names on the show. Um, some of the bigger names include Robin Sharma, who wrote The 5am right. Club, or The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. Right. He sold 15 million books, and, and he was a lot of fun to talk to. And then you come to find out somebody like that has been following the brand for a while and is a fan of our content. Um, I recently flew to Miami and worked with Grant and Elena Cardone in their offices. Of and so- Grant's energy is just electric. He's he's had a lot of best-selling books. He has a multi-billion dollar real estate syndicate empire these days. And so he was a lot of fun to work with as well. I just spent some time in Dallas with Patrick Bet David and his team, his company. Valuetainment. Uh, yeah, Valuetainment. Valuetainment uh, sits above or sits kind of below his insurance agency, which has 20,000 reps. And so you know, he's he's kind of fun and diverse in the content that he's posting. And uh, Robert Green, who wrote the 48 Laws of Power, he was somebody when I set out to do the podcast, I said, I've got to have Robert on the show. And we had a really fun conversation. And uh, just one other name that excites me because he's one of my favorite authors is Ryan Holiday, who writes a lot of books on stoicism, as well as marketing and sales. And so those are some of the the people that I really look up to. Got it. Um, you know, you stoicism—that's an interesting
0: philosophical concept. What book uh, would you recommend of his? What are what books?
1: I think if if you don't have any context about stoicism, what it is, who the who the key uh, stoic philosophers are, I would recommend Ryan Holiday's book, The Daily Stoic. And so each and every day you can read a little paragraph, which might be from a book like Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, or Uh, on the shortness of life by Seneca, and then they'll kind of relate it to modern day life. And so as you read through one passage a day over a couple months, you'll start to understand what the philosophy is all about. And my favorite part about that philosophy is that it's actionable. So the Stoics weren't people just sitting on on the doorstep, arguing with each other all the time. They were looking at real life problems and thinking, how can we solve these problems? What can we do on a daily basis to actually make progress in our life, which is why it's my favorite philosophy for the most part. That, that's great. Yeah, thank you for sharing that.
0: Uh, now, you also have a big following on Instagram. Um, you know, I, I'm curious, why IG of all the social media channels? You know, most people would think the obvious LinkedIn route. Uh, you know, you took a, a different route. Um, you know, what's the rationale behind choosing IG?
1: When BookThinkers was going through one of those early pivots, and I started to get really involved in the social media, I was not a social media guy. And by the way, when I was in my late teens and early 20s, I also had a lot of social anxiety, a big fear of public speaking. My language was full of a lot of verbal pauses. I would never have imagined getting on camera or even having a conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, repetition, right? Repetition. And so... I I had a very, very difficult time with all of that. Now I'm getting involved in social media and BookThinkers for a long time was a faceless brand on Instagram. And on LinkedIn, it's harder to do that. You've gotta be more vocal. You've gotta put your face out there a little bit more. We were Facebook first Uh, But I I found a better community on Instagram. I found it easier to access the book community. I found more groups, engagement groups. I found other profiles to look up to. And so for me, Instagram just felt like a better fit. I could use hashtags in a similar way that you can on LinkedIn, but I could use hashtags to find specific groups or concepts or, um, you know, follow all these different author pages who are all posting on a regular basis. And so that's kind of how we fell into Instagram.
0: Like you've got an amazing following, like uh, what's the number as of today?
1: As of today on Instagram, I think 107,000 people. Oh my God. Now yeah, it's, it's uh, getting big. and it's, I, from our earlier conversation, it's organic, right? It is. Yep. How did you gain this following? Well, very early on when I was learning the mechanics of social media, I followed a couple people in the social media space who are giving advice out, free advice. One of those people was Gary Vaynerchuk. And so Gary V has this hustle, hustle, hustle mentality, but what sits behind that is uh, systems. And so for Gary, one of the systems is called a $1. eighty strategy. And what he means is that you need to go out there into your community and you need to leave your two cents on a post 90 times per day that'll lead you to $1.80. And by leaving two cents, what he really means is search a popular hashtag that's related to your brand. Maybe for me, that's nonfiction books. Look at the top nine trending posts. They're trending for a reason. So you're starting to learn what works in your space. Leave a comment on all nine of those posts, read the captions and respond in a genuine way. Don't comment and say, hey, follow me, but respond in a genuine way. You're going to learn what visually works. You're going to learn what works as far as written content. And then you're going to browse through the comments. Maybe respond to a couple people, but leave a genuine piece of advice or a genuine response. Right. You do that on 10 hashtags, top nine posts that leads you to your $1. eighty. And I did that every single day. <laughs> it was a lot of hard work up front. But that's really the pillar for us. It was a lot of hard work, a lot of interaction with the community. And then when people are viewing those posts, or maybe the people who posted those posts, they're going to see our name out there. And they might get curious, and they might follow us. And then we want to have a beautiful resume. We want to have an aesthetically pleasing profile with a call to action in the bio. We want people to understand exactly what they're going to get when they follow BookThinkers. And so some of those strategies coming from uh, Gary Vee very early on, those really helped us out. That's That's awesome. Now, um, you know, some folks
0: that are that may be in this audience may be entrepreneurs and uh, leaders who may think, why do I need such a following? I don't really need that. Like tell us, Why would, in your mind, like you've created a great brand, a personal brand, why is it important to have this sort of a visual brand image?
1: I think it's important for a couple of reasons. And I do believe in my heart and in my business professional sense that every business has the opportunity to be a social business. And so who is your target audience? Is it B2B? Is it B2C? It doesn't really matter because all of those people uh, are on social media in some way, shape, or form. And so if you can get in front of them and you can sort of push your core values into your social media, if you can push your um, the general aesthetic of your business, maybe some of your solutions, demonstrations, whatever the case may be, into your audience, then I think you have a fun opportunity to connect with them at sort of a grassroots level. And one of the other pieces of advice that helped me a lot with Gary V very early on was he said, document. Don't try to create. Creation, you know, it works, but it's tough and it's time consuming and it creates a barrier to entry in your head that maybe sometimes causes you to procrastinate. But if you just document what you're already doing, there are going to be people that find it interesting and there are going to be people that look at your business or your personal brand and try to emulate it or try to understand it. And those are the people that you're creating the content for. Yeah. So you are creating content, but you're really just documenting what you're already doing. Right. I mean,
0: each person is unique and we, we all have unique approaches and opinions. And a lot of times I feel like people build resentment because they've not shared it with the external mm-hmm. world. This is a good way to express that. And, you know, validate the opinion that you have with others and see what others have to say. I and, you know, that's kind of been my experience of it. Like I may have think hundred things that are great in my head, but how true are they? What, you know, how is that resonating with others? How, what value does it produce to somebody else? Uh, you know, mm-hmm. that image creation helps, me, helps us do that as well. I think completely. Yeah,
1: I do too. I do too. And what's nice about a tool like Instagram specifically is that you can run polls on your Instagram story And so, you know, we collect a lot of feedback and we want to make sure that we're always pushing the agenda, trying to be innovative within the platform, trying to deliver content that people want. And so it's very easy to throw a poll up there with two pictures and say, what looks better, this or this? What would you rather comment on this or that? Mm -hmm. You know, who do you want on the podcast next? Comment down below. And so you're collecting feedback in real time from the people who already find you valuable, which is important. And, you know, some of our uh, audience
0: or most of our audience is tech folks, right? So they may either be in a, a corporate environment working in an office or a cubicle or, you know, they may feel like I don't need to be showing my face or, you know, visual stuff to anybody else. Now we established why it is important. Can you tell us where they think, where they should start if somebody wants to? Uh, do that?
1: Well, when I I was suffering from a lot of social anxiety, as an example, what they tell, and I'll use an example for comedians, what they tell comedians on day one, if you want to become a comedian, get on stage. And I think the same thing needs to happen on social media. On day one, put yourself behind the camera. It's going to be very uncomfortable, but you can't get to your hundredth video without your first 99. And you're going to learn at every step of the way. And the compound effect is going to take place. Each time you take a step in that direction, you're going to learn something, you're going to notice something. And then those will kind of compound into, you know, as an example with what Thinkers has today, I mean, I look back at some of the old videos and I just, I kind of cringe at them, but you know, it was necessary for me to get where we are today. So my first step would be just recommend, and if, if you can't get yourself there or, or sorry, just post. But if you can't get yourself there for whatever reason, start to consume some of what your competitors might be posting. It might give you some ideas and it might give you some confidence.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Now, um, what are some
0: upcoming uh, ventures for book thinkers? What upcoming interviews that we can look forward
1: to? Well, a big name. So we've, we've pre-recorded 20 interviews, which sounds a little bit crazy. Um, one that I'm really excited to post is with author Brian Tracy. And so Brian Tracy is a sales guru for a lot of people. A lot of people in the audience might know who he is. So I'm really excited to be posting that one. Um, we had somebody on recently, James Nestor, who wrote a book called breath, and he was featured on Joe Rogan and a couple other big media outlets, really excited to post my conversation with him. We had a really, we had a really good talk. Um, I just had a conversation with an Indian author, Gore Gobaldas, mm. and he's a monk in India. He has a couple million followers on Instagram. He wrote a book called Life's Amazing Secrets. So super excited to have him on. And then as far as business, you know, we, we're exploring a couple different fun uh, collaborations and opportunities. One that's super interesting to us, which sounds, it's actually kind of a good thing to talk about on this conversation, which is social media management. We are finding that, especially in the author space, 99% of the authors that we're speaking with don't have a page dedicated specifically to their book. And a book provides such a wealth of content. You can post quote after quote after quote forever, you Mm -hmm. know, and- little tidbits of the author reading and and background information. And so I think we're going to be getting into some social media management and those pages might provide a cool resume for some people in your audience who are interested in understanding what it might look like to build out uh, an Instagram for the first time. That'd be awesome. Where do
0: you think they can reach out to? um, And we can put it on the show notes as well.
1: The easiest place to find us uh, is just at bookthinkers.com or you can go to our Instagram bookthinkers. We answer our direct messages every single day. There are a lot of them, but we'll always get... So if you want to shoot us a message and say, hey, what you know? what's uh, a grassroots Instagram look like? Just shoot us a message and we'll be sure to point you in the right direction. Now, you mentioned
0: you're a digital nomad. Sounds like you're flying out somewhere uh, tomorrow.
1: Tell us mm-hmm. uh, what you have in store. Where are you going? Heading down to Colombia and I'm visiting two cities. So I'm spending a little over a month in Medellin, Colombia, which it'll be my second time there. I love the city. It's kind of like a tech hub in South America. There's a lot of great internet access and internet cafe kind of lifestyle down there. And then I'm spending a little over a week in Cartagena, which is um, up on the water. And so I haven't been there before, but I love to avoid the Northeast when it's cold, and I love to get down in that warmer weather. And then after that, I'm going to Cuba, which will be a lot of fun. So I've never been to Cuba. Cuba. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to uh, to just kind of look at the old city. I've heard that it's kind of like Russia, where it just looks like it's still the 80s. And uh, <laughs> anyway, I'm excited to check
0: it out. Sounds very exciting. Uh, Nick, thank you for coming on the show. We, uh, we really enjoyed the conversation.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you.